Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right here on 104.9 The Horn, top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Once again, man, Patrick outdoing himself. Little Olivia Newton-John. Yes, sir. Let's get physical. Oh, man, I, remember. I can see the video right now. How that dance going? How that dance going? She's trying to get you physical, dog. She, she, oh, we got, she got me physical, all right. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John got a lot of people physical back in the day. Between... Uh, oh, and you agree? You agree? You are you a Grease Two fan or something? Grease right? Two, bro. I saw, I remember you randomly yeah. saying you think Grease Two is better Grease than Grease two, One. Dog. Wow. Grease Two, I watch that all day. And if it flipping through the TV and I see it, I'm sitting there looking and waiting for him to go. Wow. Who's that guy? Is it Grease? Is it Michelle Pfeiffer? Grease Two? Yes, it is. So who's hotter, Michelle Pfeiffer in Grease Michelle or Pfeiffer. Olivia Newton-John in Grease? Michelle Pfeiffer to me. Really? Yeah. What about you, Patrick? I, mean, I don't. I've never watched Grease or Grease. You never watched Olivia? Really? No. What the? No. Come on. It's a musical. No need it's to watch a it. Musical. Oh, okay. You're sure. I, I agree with you about the musical things. Musicals are highly. I've heard it's really good. I've seen parts of it. It looks ridiculous and silly. And if I would have watched it as a kid, it probably been great. I never watched it as a kid. I love how you say it's ridiculous and silly. All musicals are silly. They're breaking yes. out in song. I'm a mid movie. I'm a Thirty-eight <laughs> year old. Like, I don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> it's like what the? What don't you like? Uh, what don't you like? <laughs> exactly. They're all silly and ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 38-year-old single man. I, there's no need. I would be singing in my room. I was like, Lou, give me a dirty eye. Really? So you don't have any musical that you ever liked the musical? Like some, 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 uh, like some of these biopics are not necessarily musicals, but they're almost set up where there's a lot of music in them, and they're they're not musicals where you break out into song mid, like mid dialogue. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like Five Heartbeats is kind of a musical, but it ain't a musical. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You're yeah, Five def- Heartbeats. Patrick, it's definitely five. five no, no, I've never seen it. Five heartbeats, is, right? It's musical-ish. It's yeah, right? it's a soulful musical. It's like the Wiz instead of the Wizard of Oz. You know what I'm oh, the Wiz is yeah. way better than the Wizard of Oz. Right. I mean, that's I agree with that. He's that's on like, down, yeah. he's on down the road. That's right. Yeah, I like that. Okay, you ever seen Walk the Line? Uh, it's a biopic, it, but it's a lot of music in it because they're just it, yeah. singing all of Johnny Cash's stuff. No, but that that all came out after I stopped watching movies. Really, okay. Like that was I just don't I haven't watched movies in the last fifteen years really. I know that's so weird. 
Yeah. I, just, have, I watch, well, I watch you sports been, been, and I watch comedy. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm doing, like, or else I'm working. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's just Hard a lot of time. Man here. Yeah. And I don't have the attention span to sit down and be like, let me invest 90 minutes no, into you're something. Right. E. Hogan says that. He says it because of kids. He missed, like, a whole, like, decade yeah, of yeah. movies. Because yeah. it's like, I was being a father and working. I just missed. Like, so he missed, like, a whole decade of great movies. Um, I, don't know if I, I don't know if that's going to happen to me. I'm going to force my kids to watch crazy <laughs> movies with me. So Believe that. Randomly, I also heard E. Hogan talking about this on b and his kids don't eat leftovers? I heard that too. He raised children that don't eat leftovers. There's a thing. That's a thing? No. My, my I would have starved and died of starvation if I didn't eat leftovers. My mom would have oh, like, you, oh, yeah, you ain't eating. Yeah. You ain't leftovers. You, you gonna eat what's in this house. I know <laughs> that. I don't think I would have been able to, to say I, do, I no. don't eat leftovers in my house. My, my mom kids eat them. That's, that's all we ate. Like yeah, that, she only cooked like, like two, two, three times a week, and the rest of it was leftovers. Yeah. There's times where I'll prefer not to eat leftovers. I'll have leftovers in the fridge and be like, no, I'm going to get something else because I just, I, now if I had that and now that I know it's there, I don't want to have it. But I also eat leftovers plenty. Oh, me too. I want lo- Some food is better as a leftover. Like well, and second two, day spaghetti is better oh my than goodness. first day spaghetti. Lasagna too. Oh, too, like yeah. anything Again, pasta. I'm so, a single guy. If I cook, I have to have leftovers. Right. Yeah. Because you can't make food for one. I like built, there's not really a way to make food for so you have to make food for like at least two. Agree. And then you split it up. I be, yeah, I build my weekly menu around around leftovers. Come on, man. I'm having them tonight. Yes. Yeah, leftovers tonight. Lately, three times a week we having leftovers. Like I'm, I'm all in it. I heard I was like, man. I'm all in. <clears throat> that was some new. So your kids eat leftovers. Oh, for sure. There's no. Uh, y- yes. <laughs> yes. We make sure of that. What would happen if one of your kids was like, that, Dad, we, I don't I, I don't eat leftovers. Then go in there and eat some sleep. <laughs> go in there and eat some, eat some sleep. You know that how hard your is. mom you know how hard your mom worked to cook that yesterday? Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> do, do you do leftovers the day after or do you wait a day? Do you separate them by a day? No, no, I eat the next day. The next day. See, yeah. I always separate by a day. Yeah. Because that, that was more my problem with leftovers oh, always. You I'm like, I don't want the same thing twice in a row. I had that yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then yeah. I separate for a day, and then I'm like, well, now it's a fresh meal again. I that's like true. That. That's, that's not bad. I, I like actually that. like that. And then you can do the same thing with the other one, which yeah. is leftovers, just not consecutively. Yeah. Right. So yeah, like yeah. sometimes I'll cook like two or three days in a row oh, if really? I can, and then I have leftovers, and then you're like, cool, the rest of the week, I'm good. I'm on leftovers the rest of the week. I know. I, I heard yep. him say that, and I was like, man, no. Yeah, I couldn't but believe I, that either. Patrick's got a good system for leftovers, but man, no leftovers. Wow. It's happening in our crib. Mind blowing, and I was like, "Whoa!" But after a couple days, we're like, "All right, is anybody gonna eat this? Because if not, we gotta get rid of it because it's taking up too much doggone space in here." And I, I have a thing about throwing away food. And I married the right woman. We have this sickness about we they hate to throw away food. I, we times. do too. So we, we but sometimes we, it's like, uh, no, sometimes you can't help it. You gotta yeah, throw it away. You know, yeah. know that about it. But yeah, sometimes we it's my it's my dad in me. Like my I was an I I grew up in a finish your plate household. Oh, for sure. Where that was like a punishment. You had to like finish everything yeah. on your plate, and you couldn't like leave the table. Unless you finished all the food on your plate, no matter how nasty it was and disgusting you didn't want it, you had to eat it. And I grew up. And now psychologically, I'm a kind of a finish your plate. And that's oh. almost a finish you're gonna the be, meal guy. You're gonna be great when you have kids and kids like, I don't I don't like that. And you're like, Well, it's on your plate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how no, that was in it. Yeah. It's, on, it's your on your plate. plate. I don't know what I don't you're know talking why about. Yeah. That doesn't seem a problem if you like it or not. Yeah, I think I was a teenager, the first time I could leave food on the plate and be like, nah, I ain't eating that. I'm good. Right. And now we just in that I was like, now oh, you back I'm to, making my own decision. Now you back to I gotta eat all of that. It's gonna be here yeah, forever. See, that was good, but then yeah. I go buy my own foods. Yeah. I had. I was working or whatever, yeah. but I didn't leave plate, food on my plate till I was like sixteen. So my my, <laughs> my sister my sisters were at the house and and they got kids. So my nieces and nephews were there. 
they would eat, and then they would get up and go walk and talk around, and then I'm sitting there losing my mind because I'm like, why is this stuff still sitting here? Like, <laughs> I need y'all to clean up after yourself. Uh, no, 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 we, we, we're not finished. We're going to eat all of that. And I'm like, well, why don't you just sit down and eat it now? Oh, they eat like sparingly. Yeah. They get up, do I'm stuff. Like, yeah, in yeah. How, the food get cold. They cold. Thank you. They don't re- they reheat. I'm like, it? what are y'all doing? Yeah, they was reheating. That's crazy, like, man. I'm tired of hearing the microwave. Beep beep. No. beep beep. no, I'm like, eat it now. Why are we here? That's crazy. Why are we at this moment? So they're not focused on the meal at the at they, time when the time they, they were too busy trying to talk to each other, talk oh, no. to me. I'm yeah, like, no, eat. I ate. I have no. better conversation when I'm full. Right. No, I got yeah. my, my brain working better. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> like, me and my wife don't even talk when we're eating. It's like, yes. <laughs> that's how you know just it's a good meal. Just, yeah. that, hey, man, that's how you know you made a good meal. When yeah. everybody sits down and you get that silence, <laughs> that's you're like, that's the best compliment yeah, you can get right. as a chef. And it's and not you, awkward. This is a yeah, silence. Yeah, people are talking like, I really like... The beans. Like, oh, all right, all right. I see. That's a great point. If you're if you're talking during the meal, how much you like the meal? It ain't that good. No, because if it was good, you'd be eating. You'd be mad. Yeah, look yeah. at a bone. Be like, I like them ribs. You should be hearing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Finger licking. That's what you should be hearing. That's the smacking. <laughs> exactly. I want to hear some smacking. Some smacking. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Cowboys fans are hoping they're going to hear pretty soon that Odell Beckham Jr. has become a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones, he was on uh, 105 through the fan on Shannon RJ, and they were asking him about Odell Beckham Jr. And um, hey, how about this? Jerry Jones seems enthu- really enthusiastic about their. Uh, chances to sign Odell, but also um, about his their need for Odell Beckham Jr. Um, when they asked him about, you know, how uh, basically, you know, how much he thinks the Cowboys need him and how much, uh, how is his enthusiasm? Is it a genuine enthusiasm? He said it's genuine, very genuine. He said uh, he believes that Odell Beckham Jr. is a very, uh, he's competitive. He feels confident. He feels good about himself. He said, I think he breeds confident, uh, but yet very, very just compatible. He was talking about with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. He said, we think he'd fit in really good with us. Uh, he went on to say uh, when he was asked um, if whatever happened on that flight, which we don't know, if that is something that may deter the Cowboys from signing Odell Beckham Jr. He said, no, um, it did not. His overall team compatibility, his judgment, his behavior is not an issue with him. Um, it is with many, but not with him. Right. And when he was asked about uh, you know, bringing in um, Odell Beckham Jr., he said, well, uh, we have to have this year. We have to have this year. It's very important. I'm getting old. I I think he's hitting that thing. He said it's very important. The things we do are to have him impact this year. So this year has to be a big part of it. This year, of course, we have six regular season games left in the playoffs. We've got in mind almost of the whole show ahead of us. Um, We've got to have a situation where he can really contribute now, end quote. I like it. So he, man, they asked him about. It. He said, "Now we have to have him this year." He I wish they would have asked. I wish they would have asked him about James Washington. Do you think James Washington is going to be more of an impact because he's been there with mm-hmm. you, as opposed to Odell Beckham? Now I understand Odell Beckham is electrifying, and I don't know how electrifying he's going to be coming off of the knee injury, and you still have to get him back into. I guess, the playing shape of the offense, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to make a move for him, why are we waiting so long? Like, what is the the process? I understand he's a free agent. He's going to be talking to different people. He's going to go make these trips. But when do we stop 
the waiting game for Odell Beckham? Because is he going to be that impactful to your team? You rolling up offense numbers right now. You're putting up great numbers with the crew that you have. Yep. And a couple weeks ago, I'd have said, yes, let's go get him. Let's go after it. But now you're starting to see the comfortability that he's having with the tight ends. You see his chemistry with C.D. Lamb is getting better. Uh, Michael Gallup's been playing big every week. Do you need Odell Beckham to solidify your chances of getting to the Super Bowl? Is that what it is? Uh, well, the way he says it, <clears throat> that's what he believes. Right. Um, he does. I mean, that's what he basically says that we have to have him this year. It's very important. The things we do are to have him impact this year. So I'm with you. I think he believes they got two receivers, CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. And when they go to 11 personnel or 10 personnel, one back, one tight ends, one back, zero tight ends, that he wants them to have a more uh, effective passing game with their three receiver formations. Mm -hmm. And he believes that he can be that third guy. He's going to be man-to-man coverage. You're not going to double Odell Beckham Jr. and leave CeeDee Lamb man-to-man. Gallup's getting better week to week, still coming off the injury. He looks more comfortable now. He does. So I I think the belief is that when they go to their spread sets, they want to have a Lethal spread set with three receivers they believe can be can beat man-to-man coverage consistently. Right. And I believe they would have that if they signed Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know how he looks coming off the injury. He's older now, so I, yeah. I, he's not a number one wide receiver anymore. Is he a guy that can beat man-to-man coverage? I believe yes. Um, is he a guy that can be your number one wide receiver? No, but that's not what they're getting him for. So I'm with you. I don't. We don't know. You could yeah. be right that they don't need him at all. They're averaging with Dak coming back. I think 33.8 yep. points per game. Yep. So th- this offense is scoring plenty of points right now, and they seem to have found their offensive identity, which is run the rock and uh, limit the basically limit the risk of the offense and put Dak in favorable situations in terms of down and distance. And with Zeke and with with Tony Pollard, you know, they do have their two-headed monster at running back, and they got those power packages with those 13 and 14 personnel packages, one uh, one back, three tight ends, four tight end packages. That's really the identity of the offense. It's about ball control. It's about complementary football because, you know, your defense is going to – they're the elite uh, phase yep. of your of your team. But now the offense is playing really well, and as long as they are playing complementary football – and I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I agree with that. But you do need to anticipate the playoff competition and your playoff matchups. That's why they traded for Jonathan Hankins. Yep. That's why they're playing Damone Clark now more. That's to sure up the rush defense because they know they're going to be playing the 49ers or the Eagles or, hell, maybe even the Giants. Hell, they, they got four teams in that division right now that can end up making the playoffs potentially in the NFC beast. And all those teams can run the rock. And, and yep. the Cowboys, one Achilles heel is their rush defense. So they shirt that up looking forward to the playoffs. But on offense, what do you anticipate being an issue? I think they anticipate the passing game potentially being an issue. Do I mean, but do you? They do. Yeah, I think they believe that if you get a you go up against a really good defense, they can lock up. Say you got a really good corner that you yeah. trust locking up a guy one on one. Okay, what's well, double C D. Let's let him lock up Gallup one on one. Who you got? Yeah. Well and I think too they're more in the situation of yeah if we if we can get a lead and we can run the ball, that's great. But what if this team puts up a couple on us? What if yeah. we have an interception that gets run back? What do we have and now we're down 14 at half. Great point. Do we have that guy? Do we have that team in the second half who can score points and really move the ball where we're not wasting clock time? And I think that's maybe where they're more worried about it. 
And if you look at the Cowboys' schedule right now, they're in the point where you'd really like to see Odell be on it this week. Correct. But you still have yeah. the Texans and Jaguars coming up the next two weeks after the Colts this week. So you've got a little soft spot right now to kind of bring him in, get him some reps the next couple of weeks before you go play the Eagles. And that is where you start the, the end of the season of Eagles, Titans, and uh, Commanders, where that is your get ready for the playoffs. You hope to lock up the division by your lock up your spot basically by week 17. Yep. So week 18, you can re- maybe rest a few guys during the Commanders game. But those Eagles and Titans games, that's two playoff teams. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Think about the Eagles, how they're set up. They got a corner. They, they got Slay. Yeah, the they can slay. put a Slay on Gallup. They can double CD. And then who you got? Yeah, yeah. that's and where. It, that's why that that's other. That's why they're like man, we And they shored up their run defense. Yeah, yeah they, they, exactly. They got Lindo Joseph. They got yeah. Ndamukong Kingsu. We know uh, Jordan Davis is going to come back for him. So that rush defense is not going to be a problem. And they got a corner who can lock up one of your guys and win one on ones consistently. Yeah. And they can just double CD Lamb. And I think the Cowboys are anticipating. What do we do? And I love Patrick's point too. What if the fit is to Shannon? We end up down in the game by well, double yeah, digits. Chop, yeah, you're going to have gonna to try to, to throw a the ball. Offense, yeah, you can't throw it all to the tight end because they're not going to be game breakers for They're you. They're not getting downfield yeah. for a vertical throw. So I, I think you're right, too, Patrick, about that. I think they man just just in case. Hey, yep. if everything goes right, we'll but be what if charge. James Washington is that guy? Then you know, first world the, problems. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got two. Yeah, you first got two world of problems. Yeah. I'll take that. Because they were very high on getting him back, and that's one of the names that they keep talking about. He's working his way back into being in the lineup. But I do want to say this. With C.D. Lamb, his five games without Dak Prescott, he had 49 targets, 31 receptions, 380 yards, Two touchdowns. His five games with Dak Prescott, he's got 44 targets, 31 receptions, 448 yards, and three touchdowns. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, so, you no I, I think the Cowboys are in a good position either way. I don't think no, Odell no is the, no the, the giver, you know, it's the break point of this season for the Cowboys at all. But if you can add that piece... And you're adding more leadership of a guy who was in the were in the Super Bowl last yeah, year, won no the doubt. Super Bowl last year, yep. to a wide receiver core that is really young. Yep. Like that is a really young receiver core that can get you know you can get set off if you know if yeah, yeah. they double Ceedee Lamb in that Eagles game and Gallup's not getting open and all of a sudden these guys are starting to get mad and that's where you make mistakes. Yeah. Those are the things of having somebody veteran there could help them out. I, I, it's it's something where it's a. It's a good problem for the Cowboys to have because they're in a place where they go, look, if we can bring him in and get the contract we want and we can sign him, awesome. Most importantly, we had one of the best free agents. No one else gets him. Yeah. That is also no the Giants one else gets can't them. get him. Oh, the Eagles, right. you know, the, the Eagles. Oh, they'll look at that. They, they like, kicked uh, in the tires right now. <laughs> Eagles will kick them down on anything. I mean, yeah. they are by any means necessary trying to upgrade that roster. Uh, but I like that point, too. I mean, he is a veteran presence yep. there uh, with a young group, and he just went to the Super Bowl, so at least knows what that stretch run would look like and what it takes. Yep. Uh, so I, I think the Cowboys should do it. Um, I think they are considered the front runner to acquire uh, Odell Beckham Jr. If you look at the Vegas odds, they got the best odds to acquire him. And of all the teams that Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, is looking at, and all the teams that he's visiting, you know, I think the Cowboys can compete with any of those teams. And right now, Great. yeah, I think they, I think the Titans are a team that was thrown out there that was mentioned that he might visit. Um, they also threw out; he's set to visit huh. the Giants and the Bills. Yeah. You go so. to the Titans. I mean, no, no, but that was again. That was a team that that they threw out there. They but need yeah. a wide receiver. He's, they yeah. definitely yeah. need one. He's yeah. set to visit. But though. They still have Tannehill as their quarterback. That's yeah. also true. <laughs> and Blake <laughs> Willis don't look like the man right now. Right. They need some time. He's so, a rental. He's a rental player. Right, let me ask you this: The Giants, Bills, and Cowboys are considered the top three. If yeah. OBJ wants a three-year deal, 
So he wants this year and two more years after this deal. He don't want it. He don't want that. Now are you still interested in him, or now yeah, you go, man, a, you got pass. Right. I'll admit that's that's. But that's because yeah. I think he's that's more what he's looking though. for. I think that's more the reason he hasn't signed anywhere. Is yeah. if he just wanted a, a mercenary deal, deal he'd be yeah. he'd be there. Yeah. 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 But I think he wants a little bit more security with two injuries. Go, man, I can go back to Super Bowl, get hurt again. Take help take two teams to the Super Bowl and I'll never play in the league again. Man, yeah. if he if he goes if he can come and help the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl, good lord. He would be a legend. <laughs> he would be a legend. He would be. Mike Lerman be dancing around the oh set. Oh my god. I told you that's who we should have got a long time ago. <laughs> you and Stephen A. <laughs> I think I would prefer if I was the Cowboys to counter his three year uh, offer, I'd go Two years, but a player option or something after one. I, I agree. You know I, just I, mean? think, I, I think that from what we've heard of that him wanting some more security in the deal, that that seems like a logical reason why he hasn't signed anywhere yet. It makes perfect and sense. And that's why he's trying to get a few more suitors in because yeah. it was apparently Dallas and New York, and now more teams are getting thrown in. So he may be going like, hey, man, Tennessee may really need me, so they may offer me three years, and then I can go back to Jerry with three years and go, yeah. this is what they're offering. That's true. So yeah. that it may be playing that game right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think you're right about him though. At this point, he knows, and he's still young. Texas A's like 30 years old. He's still a yeah. young receiver, um, but the injury and the history, mm-hmm. the resume of being a diva, mm-hmm. doesn't help. Uh, I'm sure that you can dispel that pretty quickly once you get into a locker room. But yeah, the injuries and how he comes back, we don't know how he's gonna look. Um, and so I, I'm really interested to see what he's got that burst. If he still has the burst, if he can get out of those breaks uh, really quickly, if he still has the explosion. If he doesn't, um, he'll end up being a, great, a good third receiver for you. But, man, you may not want to be hitched to that. You may right. hitch your wagon to him for more than a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, Rod's rant of the day on the other side. Uh, Rod's rant of the day. I want to get into a little of the Texas-Baylor uh, matchup, get back to reviewing that. I watched the film again, uh, took some notes, and I have – a great compliment to give to my man Sark. We saw a major growth from Steve Sarkeesian in that game, and I'll give you uh, the X's and O's version as to why. All of that and more when we return right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've got it now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, Getting back to uh, the Texas win over the Baylor Bears, I went back and gave it uh, another once-over, trying to figure out exactly what adjustments were made uh, by Steve Sarkeesian in that game. And and, and when I looked at it again, actually, I want to give him even more credit for what I thought was serious growth by Sark in that game. You guys have heard me on this show, and even going back to the offseason, I said that Sark's biggest – hurdle that he needed to overcome to become a great coach on his way to being an elite coach, a championship coach, whatever you want to call it, is in-game adjustments. He's just not a great in-game adjuster. It's okay. 
because he actually is one of the best game planning preparation coaches, honestly, that I've seen in a long time. Texas, m- more often times than not, they're going to win the battle of game planning preparation against their opponent. And that's Sark's opening script, and that's why they always get leads, and sometimes they're just holding on you know, to the lead, just barely holding on to try to win games. Um, and oftentimes it's because Sark loses the battle of adjustments. He would lose the chess match within the game and those, those in-game adjustments. In this matchup versus Baylor, Dave Ryan is a damn good coach. We all agree with that. Um, you know, Sark started at a disadvantage, right? He started out, the opening script was okay, but it wasn't great. It wasn't great enough to give him a huge lead. It actually started out in a 9-0 hole in a, at a deficit in this game, and they had to go win the game in the second half. They had to go win the game in the fourth quarter. You had no choice. You, you weren't up big. You couldn't hold on to that lead for dear life and try to outlast your opponent. You had to go find a way to win the chess match. And one of the things I've talked about with Sark is that you know, one of the things that upset me, you know, watching him, you know, make adjustments and sometimes, you know, fail to make those adjustments. And I think about the TCU game. TCU game, obviously, Bijan having 12 touches was probably the biggest uh, example of coaching malpractice so far this year from Coach Sark. It really was. And I think he was ashamed of that. That's why the next game, you know, Bijan gets his 30-something rushes in that game. I think he wanted to uh, overemphasize <laughs> uh, the point that, no, 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 Bijan will never, ever get lost in a game plan again. You can never allow any opposing coordinator to have that checkmate on you to take away your best play. Can't let it happen. Um, and he didn't. He hadn't let that happen since then I don't think it ever will I think that was a nice lesson for Sark but in that game for CCU Texas had a chance to win that game remember late in the game in the second half Sark did make adjustments remember I told you he made adjustments they were just too little too late yeah right? he made some adjustments he just didn't make them quick enough for them to really lead to Texas, any substantive uh, advantage for Texas so that they could beat TCU, top five team at the time. Remember the empty formations in the second half were working really well. Uh, as a matter of fact, Quinn Ewers was 4-4 in empty formations in the second half. Why? Well, it, it, it stresses out their three-high, three-down defense. It cleaned up the pre-snap read because they couldn't throw pre-snap shell disguise looks because against a really stressful formation like that, you got to get to your assignments and get to your landmarks. So it cleaned everything up for them. And it allowed him to just be able to find the mismatch across the field. And those are easy once you spread everybody out and go three by two empty formation. So they were really good empty formations in the second half uh, of that game versus TCU. But he didn't use it enough. He used it sparingly. If, it, if, it's, if that's the one thing working for you, be gratuitous. Be bullish about it. If it's working, do it all, bludgeon them with it. <laughs> that's what Oklahoma State Mike Gundy did to you. Mike Gundy figured out there are three offensive uh, schemes working in their passing game versus Texas. They ran the running back swing pass, they ran the wide receiver screen, and they ran the slant route. Three concepts for the entire second half versus Texas. That's all they ran. Three concepts over and over and over and over and over again. And Texas, exactly. Texas can fit. But those are the three things that were working. Yep. If that's what's working, those are the adjustments you made. Bludgeon your opponent with it until they adjust to it. And he didn't do that with the empty formation versus TCU. He also, to my man Harge's uh, credit, who said, hey, get Jay with the ball, the wide receiver bubble screen started working in that game. Why? Well, they were loading the box, putting eight, eight guys in the box. Well, what I always say, if you don't have the numbers advantage on one place on the football field, that means you got it somewhere else. If you ain't winning it one place, you're winning it somewhere else. Find out where you're winning the numbers advantage. You're winning it on the perimeter on the outside. So that's why he kept the extension of the running game was get it to Jay Witt. Uh, with the wide receiver screen on the perimeter. And those were big plays for him in the TCU game. But too little, too late. And you didn't mm-hmm. get gratuitous with it. Like I said, you should be, you should be copious amounts of those wide receiver screens. Why didn't you put Bijan 
in that spot where you had Jay Witt and say, you know what, we're just going to throw him the wide receiver screen in. That's the only damn thing that's working. The RPOs were working for him, but it was a little too too little too late. Yep. The three-by-one <laughs> sets were working for him late, and he figured all these things out, but he figured them out about a quarter too late, and Texas didn't have enough time to be able to implement those adjustments to have a chance to win the game. So my point is, listen, it, it, you only got four quarters. It may be unfair, so if you only got four quarters to make those adjustments, and he failed to do that in the TCU game. He was just a little slow with it. And like I said, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, was a great lesson by Mike Gundy. He figured out the two or three things that were working and said, let's just run them. Same thing over and over again. Boom. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Football is a complicated game. Uh, it's a simple game, really, uh, that's complicated by mm-hmm. simple men. So it's not that complicated. You just got to figure out what's working. So in this game, Sark did a really, he did a really smart thing, and it seems simplistically brilliant, but it was really smart. He basically decided, no, 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 we are going to take the air out of the ball, and we're going to minimize the risk in this game. They decided they were going to bludgeon Baylor with the run game. But philosophically, that's what he went to. Ideologically, he decided, no, wait, we're just going to run the ball, and we'll minimize any type of risk. And, and, and not that Quinn Ewers had a bad game, but when you were passing the football, bad things kept happening. The Jay Witt fumble, the fumble recovery for a touchdown, the sack strip fumble, end up being a touchdown for Baylor, uh, the four sacks in the first half, uh, the the safety of the intentional grounding. It wasn't that the the passing game wasn't working, but you were taking unnecessary risks with it. And I think late in that game, Sark decided, all right, you know what? We're not taking any more unnecessary risks with the passing game. We're just going to go with what works, and we're going to go with what is safer, which is just handing the ball to our best player and our best leader in Rojo. But I went back and looked at specifically, did I see anything uh, personnel-wise, right? Did I see anything that personnel-wise are in the scheme specifically that Sark did? Not just changing his philosophy. We know he decided, no, we're going to run the damn rock. He went old school with it. When I went back and looked at it, I, I told you guys on this show, 12 personnel, true 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, as I've been, you know, cataloging and and uh, charting the Texas games, I figured out if you're looking at most productive personnel packages in yards per play, it's easily true 12 personnel. Like it, it's your most, most effective and your most efficient offensive personnel grouping, more so than 20 or 21 or 31 or 11, any of the personnel group, or the Big 12 with Andre Carrick out there. It's, it's your most uh, productive personnel grouping. In the first half, I got charted. You know how many times Sark used true 12? Now, he only had the ball for nine minutes in the first half, and I was like 28 plays or something like that, so he didn't have the, didn't <laughs> right. have the ball it wasn't much. a lot. Yeah. One time. I got one. Yeah. I got one play with true 12 yeah. personnel in the first half. Just one. Yeah. In the, in the second half, I went in, I believe I charted close to 24. <laughs> I got 20, Adjustments. 24 such plays of 12 personnel in the second half, one of true 12. So what his biggest adjustment was, I'm just going to go to what has worked all year long. I neglected that in the first half, just much like he neglected Bijan, because Bijan only has seven rushes in the first half, uh, and decided to go with what has been his most effective personnel grouping in terms of yards per play, which is 12. And they went a ton of heavy 12. So that was what they did personnel-wise. Scheme-wise, I thought it was interesting, too, that when, they, when you look at what he did schematically, and I went back and, and tried to chart as many of them as I could, 
you recognize in 12 personnel, when they had one back, two tight ends, they had a bunch formation to one side, a tripod bunch, much like teams used against Texas. They would have oftentimes the tight end, Jatavian Sanders or Gunnar Helm at the tip of that tripod or that triangle, and they would bring Jay Witt over as a flexed wide receiver, and it would end up forming a tripod bunch opposite of the single receiver side. And some people would call it an inverted single wing flex. You can get really fancy with some of the terminology. I'm just telling you, it looks like a bunch and a tripod bunch, a triangle bunch. All right. <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know. Yep. You know how many times I saw that triangle bunch uh, in the first half for Texas? Once. It was an incompletion on a pass. I believe it was near the <sighs> red zone, too. Second half. Oh, man, I counted of that just specific formation of that triangle bunch in 12 personnel opposite the single receiver side. I counted 22 such rushes out of that uh, with that formation, and they end up with four passes. They they basically – oh, sorry, 22 total plays, excuse me, and four passes out of that. So most of it was rushing. 18 of those were rushing. Uh, but – he he found something. I think he was trying to get Baylor to to make a choice. You're going to defend the numbers or you're going to defend the space because it's a compressed set. Compressed meaning closer to the line of scrimmage, closer to the O-line. So you got that tripod bunch, which is a compressed set right by the line of scrimmage. And you force the defense to say, okay, well, we're going to defend the field. There's a lot of field out there. And Texas would often run RPOs with Jay Witt. Remember that 20-yard reception for Jay Witt? Got him down into the, yep, the red yep, zone? Yep. That they ran the, the tripod bunch there, and this is an RPO. And he runs he, he runs out there to the space, and they couldn't defend all the space. Yeah. So either you're going to defend the numbers, you're going to defend the space, or you're going to defend both. That's what Texas forced him to do. And with that, with that simple kind of recalibration, you basically, if you're Texas, you can easily see where you have the numbers advantage. You can just kind of split the ball right down the middle and go, well, they got, they got seven, six guys on that side of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Numbers advantage over here. <laughs> if Bijan's going to be one-on-one, we win. Every and day. It, go back and look at how much they ran that tripod bunch formation love there. It. and Because they love Gunnar Helm. And they ran it even out of the Big 12 package with Andre Carrick. Andre Carrick was in there at times as a part of that tripod bunch. So schematically, that's what they went to. Uh, I would love to ask Sark what he calls that formation exactly and what he saw against Baylor that made him run a run that specific set. Because he ran it over, and they kept running tempo with it. He'd run, right. They would run the, if, I do guarantee you David Randall was losing his freaking mind. They ran the <laughs> same set, the same formation over and over and over and over again. And Baylor just could not stop it. And, and no matter what adjustment they made, they could not stop it. Because I think that the adjustment was simple. If you're going to overload to the to our unbalanced side, right? well, hell, man, we're going to run to the other side where we have the numbers. If you want to defend the field, well, we're going to run to where we have the numbers. To the shore side, yeah. Yeah, you defend the numbers, well, we're going to def- we're gonna run to the field. Right. And they could never really figure it out. Like and said, you're right, he was losing his mind He was that. losing his mind. He had to yeah. be because I was yeah. like, I can't believe they're running the same damn formation yeah. over and over. The second half, that's all they ran. Right. Majority of their plays, they run that tripod bunch, go look at it, and they just ran the rock. And it was amazing. And I said, psychologically, uh, it had to be devastating for David Rand and that coaching staff because they got simply outcoached mm. by Steve Sarkeesian. 
and it was simplistically brilliant. The the personnel was just, we got to go with our most successful personnel package all year, which has been 12. We only ran it one time in the first half. Well, you know what? In the second half, we'll run a ton more in the second half. And you go look at it, what they did schematically, X's and O's wise, I think that tripod bunch formation was big for them. Just forcing, uh, forcing Baylor to make that schematic adjustment, which they obviously never really found an answer for. And then you go look at what you know what they did personnel wise was a twelve pointers personnel, and what they did like I said, philosophically was, hey man, let's just give the ball to our best player and our best leader, let them close out the game. Already, these sound like simple adjustments, and they are relatively simple. But these are things that Steve Sarkeesian wasn't doing early on in his tenure here at Texas um, that's helping Texas win games, putting him in a position to win games schematically, philosophically, uh, with his personnel packages. I thought it was great. Yeah. It really, it really that, that, I'm telling you, that was growth for me as a football theorist watching Steve Sarkeesian's well, offense. Well, the other part of it is, too, he finally figured out, I have the best player. Yeah, that's give the ball, it. give the ball to my best player. That, that helps, you know, and that that's that simple. It makes you look like a genius when you have the best player and you utilize the best player the yeah. way he should. Yep, and you've already figured out the mismatches. Let's roll with it. Oh yeah, give it to my best player. Give it to Bijan. <laughs> Put some Bijan on. Yeah, and I think if you and wanna... you said this at the very beginning when we were having huh. our round tables, you you laid it out at the very beginning. Yeah, I think my advice for for Sark was put gratuitous amounts of Bijan on every game plan, which means twenty five to thirty carries. Quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game for your young quarterback, which now, late in the season, what's he doing? Quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. Because you got a young O-line. Yeah. All right. And simplify. Exactly. And unfortunately, I think the Isaiah Nayor injury really hurt the offense's passing game. We know now the passing game had a regression this year. I think it was because he 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 probably expected, and I did too. To be a, a, basically to present the defense with a mathematical equation they could not solve. How are you going to keep a safety over the top of Nayor? Double X man, put eight in the box to stop Bijan. You can't do it. You don't have the numbers. And then when Nayor went down, think about think about the regression of X man. Absolutely. A lot of that's based on Nayor going down because what did it turn X man into? It pigeonholed him. He basically became you know we talk about actors or typecast. Yep. Right. Everybody knows the Jason Statham character in every movie or whatever. He's one of my favorites. Exactly. Yeah, I love yeah, him too. But yeah. he's playing the yeah. same damn character yeah. in every movie. That's what happened to X man. He became typecast as a deep threat. Yep. He was just that. He was just that guy. He was just a deep threat guy. Yeah. And it wasn't even really working, and that's why he, he regressed because he had to be typecast in a certain role. Sark didn't envision that for him. Sark wanted him to be a more well-rounded wide receiver one, but when Nayor went down, he needs a deep threat in his offense, and he forced X-Men to be that guy. Yeah. X-Men was better last year when you had Joshua Moore as your you deep have, threat. Yep. Uh, Marcus Washington could be that guy, and he yeah. could be the wide receiver one, and I think it's re- it really – it took him some time, and I don't know if he actually really even figured out what his it role didn't. was in this passing game. I don't think he ever really figured it out. It didn't, yeah. and I don't think it was explained to him what his role was either. You uh, know, yeah. It goes back to the point that you were talking about. There were some people that needed to make adjustments all across the board, Yep, and nobody really did until – the last couple of games of hey, the year. I'll take it. Now we're on to the next. Yep, I'll take it. Yep. I'll take it in the last couple of games. Uh, yep. But growth from Sark, I like that last game of the season. He finds a way to win it in the fourth quarter um, about out-coaching a really good coach in David. Yes, Randall. he did. Damn good for you, Sark. All right, we'll come back. Uh, USA, USA, USA. Big win over Iran. We'll talk about that World Cup on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. We built this city. We built this city on rock. We built this city.
Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. Uh, that's when we play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. It's a good jam right here. All right, Patrick, you've been killing it, man. This, this, is, this is in the great jams of uh, songs that say they're rock and roll but are clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I guess you're, it's just more pop, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, electronic or something. It's, it's definitely you're right. It's definitely on, on. It's like on the, it's on the verge there. If someone's like, "You want to rock out?" They played this. You'd be like, "I'm waiting." <laughs> but they they sing about rock and roll. So they people, sing about yeah, it. Yeah, they sing Not about it. Not necessarily make sure rock. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's how Black Eyed Peas are. I love that that line from um, from The Office about Black Eyed Peas. It's like. They're not really a rap group. They're not really a rock and roll group, and they're not really a pop group either. Yeah, I don't know what the hell they are, <laughs> but they there. But they there, right? Yeah. yeah. This is also the craziest band transformation. That this was Jefferson Airplane that went to Airplane that went to Starship, or Jefferson Starship. Wow. And then they just became Starship. Is that real? Yeah. So it's like they kind of transformed. So it's like none of the original people really. It just kind of transformed. It was just How many people were in this group originally? I don't know. Damn. I just know that it changed so dramatically. If you listen <laughs> at the beginning of what they were to the end, you're like, wow, that is you know, a complete departure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know. I've heard of all those groups individually and did not know that they were all kind of from the same Genesis. Or yeah. yeah I, mean, I didn't know that. There you the go. Genesis is a different group. Right? I know. Exactly. <laughs> Good, origin. 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 There might have been a different group, you too. Get, you get my point there. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, give some props to Team USA, gentlemen. They advance in the World Cup by beating Iran 1-0. Uh, and we're going to have Team USA facing the Netherlands. We're going to bring on our man Glenn Davis of Soccer Match. You heard that yesterday uh, right before Instant Serious. at 7 o'clock. Instant Serious at 8 on Mondays. Uh, but we'll bring him on later on this week when he's got some time to help break down the next matchup and review uh, Team USA's win over Iran. I actually uh, had the DVR. I tried to go back and watch it tonight because okay. okay. it was happening. Just full disclosure, we had a meeting going on yeah, yeah. and all kind of stuff, so I didn't get to watch as much of the match as I would have liked. Um, but I know you you were here watching it when I got yeah, it. Yeah, I was you checking it out. Trying to figure it out, trying to see what was happening. I got a chance to watch the first half of the match, and let me just say that uh, the intensity was there for both of these both teams. They were playing fast and furious types of soccer. They all knew what was at stake. Had to win. Uh, Pulisic came in and made a great play. Should have scored two goals. Mm-hmm. Not, not him, but the U.S. should have had two goals. And then they tried a couple set pieces that weren't right. And so okay. it, was, it, it was a good back-and-forth match. And I was impressed with the way that the uh, USA team came out and handled their business because – it got kind of iffy for a while, man. They were aggressive. I mean, they had uh, 12 shots to Iran's four, mm-hmm. uh, five shots on goal to Iran's one shot on goal. So uh, the Americans were aggressive in the match, uh, but even Patrick told me that they had a the Iran Iranians had a shot late. Yeah, a couple shots. A couple of shots late. Yeah, they had a header that was on goal, and it was like, <gasps> yeah. it, it was like, oh. And then, yeah, then they had one where they got through, kicked it through the, the goalie's legs, and USA had a defender come by the end to knock it out. Yeah. And then oh. Iran wanted a penalty on that one to get a free kick from there. Uh, they ended up not giving him the penalty. And that was like with 98 minutes in the game. So there was only a minute or so left. Wow. Yeah, it was back and forth. It was a tough, tough, tough go. 
Yeah, now we have the Netherlands uh, coming up in their next match. Like I said, we'll bring on Glenn Davis to break it down, and we'll, of course, uh, do our own little preview of it as well. Uh, but uh, congratulations to uh, the Americans, Team USA, advancing in uh, the World Cup. Yeah, buddy. Uh, to, uh, to face the Netherlands in the next round. And I saw this, too, random stat about soccer, so we won't get too deep into it, but I thought it was intriguing. Because um, I had a friend of mine bring it up because he's a huge soccer enthusiast. And him and my wife were talking about it because they're big. Your wife yep. played soccer at the college level mm-hmm. um, for the Red Raiders. Right? Yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah, you yeah. never mentioned that. You, uh, you didn't. I was trying to keep that on yeah, She know, also you played professionally for a little bit. Playing. She played yeah, professionally, too. Yeah, she played too. pro. Come yeah, on. Yeah. You should brag about that. Yeah. You don't brag about it. But it was because of Texas Tech. I know it was Texas Tech, man. It was Texas Tech. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Okay. But um, she was a beast. She uh, was a believe, beast. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Played pro, too. Yeah, she was yeah. a beast. She brag about wifey more than that. Anyway, uh, but uh, I, so I saw this uh, penalty kicks, right? PKs. How about this little stat? So PKs account for 23% of the goals in World Cups, um, which is... This is crazy because if you look at like uh, the EPL and the MLS, yep. they account for like eight percent. Yeah, it, it's like it's a like huge. There's a difference in, in the quality of leap. the of the players too. You got to remember this. Mm. This is now in the World Cup. These are the best of the best for their countries. So you know as well as I do when you're playing for your country. There's a lot of passion that is involved with it. So you're laying it all on yeah. the line. That's why so many of them mm. are coming down to draws. Mm. Yeah. So the first half, 0-0 zero, zero the whole way through. Then the second half, everybody starts to try to get going. And then you and during the group play, there's no PKs. There's no mm-hmm. there's none of that extra stuff that's going on. So you're just kind of like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. And you were talking about set pieces that didn't work out. Set pieces in the World Cup account for 44% of the goals. Uh, EPL and MLS is around 20%. Mm-hmm. In the World Cup open play, thought thirty three percent of the goals, but open play accounts for seventy one and seventy two percent of goals in MLS and EPL. Yeah, it's been it's crazy how different, different it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Just interesting stuff there. Okay. Anyway, um, getting back to some uh, Texas transfer portal update uh, stuff. We'll get to that on the other side. Also, some Sark from audio. Uh, audio from Sark. Excuse me. From his Monday press conference. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. One hundred four nine. 